as soon as you think about what you're doing with what you're doing, right, which I, I do to teach, right, I'm a teacher. And so anything I do and accomplish and learn and struggle with and move forward through turns into a lesson for my students and turns into lessons for other athletes and other community members that I surround myself with. I can't help it. It's just how I'm wired. It's what motivates me. Um, it's who I was meant to be. And when you're in that frame of mind, like, oh, I went out and I did this thing, not just because I wanted it. I mean, when I'm inside of the experience, there's no place I'd rather be. So on like a selfish individual level, the experience I'm having while I do these things is a full and rich beyond ordinary human experience. And I'd much rather have that, even with the negative, right? And it's like I had some moments in this this endeavor where it was like, it was full on darkness and doubt and struggle and pain and setback. And it's like having to sit with that, being lost in it for a while, like any of us are, and then being like, okay, like if this is what the experience needs to be, like come and stay. However long you want to stay feelings like if that if that's what if the next five days need to be this way, so be it. Because if I can't sit with that in the dark moments, then I never really wanted it in the first place. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and BJ, and this is the place where we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose, people who follow their hearts, people who can hear that small, still voice within urging them to live fully, and people who know that purpose is a journey and each step readies us for what comes next. With nearly 400 episodes of incredible guests living with purpose, we find an endless abyss of inspiration as these warriors forge ahead along the always ebbing and flowing river of life. And it's been so wonderful to stay connected with so many of our guests over the years, like Jason Hardrath, who we are thrilled to have back on the show today. Jason is an ambassador of experience, and we are here to smack down the success and challenges of his latest FKT undertaking. At the beginning of August, Jason smashed the previous record of 60 days with his completion of the Rocky Mountain Grand Slam in less than 40 days. This project included 122 peaks, 698 miles, and 318,799 feet of elevation gain, an endeavor equivalent to summiting Mount Everest from sea level 11 times. We first had Jason on the show in July of 2022 to celebrate his conquering of Washington State's 100 highest peaks and his 100th FKT. It's an awesome episode where we dive into Jason's backstory, so definitely have a listen. It's episode 322. But today is all about diving into the Rocky Mountain Grand Slam, and we're pumped because we know Jason is always up for diving under the surface chatter with us to unearth meaningful messages and education for all. We're so excited to see where this conversation goes. Jason, so good to see you again, and welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to tell a little bit of my story. Well, let's do that. I don't want to keep our, our audience and listeners in suspense. This is such an epic, epic uh, next level compared to your last epic adventure that you had uh, <laughs> when you were on here. So let's just dive in. Like, So what is this uh, thing that you did and uh, how did it start? Where did it come to fruition? 
Um, so I actually discovered the uh, Rocky's Grand Slam or Rocky Mountain Slam. It goes by any of those names. Um, while I was doing the research in 2021 for the Bulgers, um, one of the one of the primary Mountaineers I talked to about the Bulgers, uh, Eric Gilbertson, he had done both. And so one of the things he said to me in that moment, as I was like planning stuff out to help me understand just how difficult the the Bulgers push was going to be, is he said. Even though it's 20 fewer peaks, the Bulgers is about 20% harder um, technical-wise and, and terrain travel-wise than the Rocky Mountain Grand Slam. And, you know, you look at the two times, it's like I did the Bulgers in 50 days and I did this in 40 days. It's like, dang, that, he was spot on with his estimation as far as, like, you know, how hard it is. Obviously, you're, you're, moving, you're moving faster on the easier terrain, so it's still hard, but as far as, like, how slow moving the train is. It's like, Oh, okay. That made sense. Um, he nailed that estimation. Um, but yeah, I discovered it, discovered it back while I was putting that one together. And it's like, yeah, this is the next thing. This is the next big journey, the next grand adventure, the next big experiment. Um, and you know, I've been looking, well, how to say this. So in 2013, during the summer of 2013, I did my first ever, you know, dirt bag van experience, you know, uh, pack up the apartment, throw it in a storage unit, buy an $800 van and go national park hopping with, uh, with, uh, my girlfriend at the time and did this grand tour of all the national parks on this side of the country. And ever since then, I'm like, Oh man, I need to get back into Colorado. Oh man, I need to get back to Wyoming. I need to get back to Montana. And right. That was how many years ago now? Almost a decade ago. Is that even possible? No, it must be one or two years ago. Um, and this was like kind of that perfect project where it's like, this is exactly the reason Jason Hardrath would go revisit these spaces is to climb all the significant peaks. And, you know, that's the thing that kind of has drawn me into these projects is instead of just trading my fitness for another bib number and metal to hang on the wall, I'm in my PE office and I have, uh, 150 bib numbers hanging up behind me that start conversations with students. Um, I'm way more interested in trading that fitness to basically get these like hyper condensed life experiences, seeing beautiful spaces. And there is, you know, there is the competition of like chasing the FKT, but that's more like how efficiently can I move through these spaces? Which adds this element of mastery with this spirit of exploration and it just creates this really special experience and just kind of knowing that it's like okay i'm gonna pack right because people take years just to finish the colorado 14er list people take years just to finish the wyoming 13er list people take years just to climb all the bear toots all the 12ers in montana and to condense all of that into a single summer you know i'm a school teacher for those that haven't listened to the previous episode um to condense that into one summer of travel is like this amazing exchange, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to take this fitness I have now and I'm going to use it to go do this like grand thing where, you know, I drove back past a lot of the mountain ranges because I, I had some extra time in August before I had to be back here at school and got to drive back past a lot of the mountain ranges that I'd climbed all the significant peaks of and just like, yeah, climbed those. Oh, that's cool. I was up there oh, wow, like I was up there too. And it's like, you know, I'll get to be a little old man someday and all I have to do is hike up to one of the meadows where I can see the peaks and just like let the memories flow. 
And that's just a different experience with those mountains for the rest of my life than if I'd never, never gotten up them. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's a special thing for me. It's kind of a decision of what I, what, what memories I want to have, what I want to have traded the skill sets and fitness that I have, the body that I have right now, what I want to have traded those moments and that, and those skill sets for. Um, and then, yeah, just continuing to chase that next big challenge that makes me feel alive, that animates me, that's compelling enough that I'm like, this is worth putting myself together for. This is worth, this is worth prepping for. This is worth giving up time for. Um, yeah. And all of that sort of coming together into being able to push for, for 40 days or almost 40 days in this case in the, in the mountains. What's your, this is a two part question, but I'm going to ask you one part first. What's your gratitude level right now just for Mother Earth and what she what she offers to you in your unique journey on this earth? 11 or 12 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> and how about for your body? Definitely, definitely another another 11 or 12 out of 10. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I'm 34 now. It's not as easy as when I was 24. I can't just like wake up, go hard every single day. Um, which used to be my, my, my training style, just wake up and smash and my body would just kind of absorb it. Um, and, uh, you know, now it's like, yeah, it hurts a little more. Not as, not as definitely not as fast as I used to be. Um, but it's still definitely, definitely worth it. So yeah. Does that weaken the gratitude or does that increase the gratitude for your body? Like, like what is what is that body of yours teaching you as you're you're learning how it's how it's aging? Like let's be frank, that's what happens with the body. Um, doesn't mean that you have to throw in the towel. It's just it's it's aging. And so, how has that relationship changed with it? I think what it brings me to, at least right now, where I'm at at 34 years old, what it brings me to is, I mean, even when I was young, I had this odd, for lack of a better way of saying it, this odd intimacy with the finitude of life, like just how little time you actually have. And I think that's just increased as I've started to notice like, oh yeah, like my knees hurt a little more on the downhill. Like I'm not able to just rip it every single day. I have to, you know, take more time off and be more methodical with my training approach. Um, I don't move as fast as I did, you know, when I'm in these big projects and I'm 10 days deep, it's like, whoa, that it takes a little more of a toll. I have to be more careful with my sleep and my diet. Um, and, and one of the things that comes to mind is like, we have this chance, right? It's really easy to just kind of look at our lives and how they're structured kind of, uh, you know, on the X and Y axis, like, you know, doing things for the here and now doing things for the future. What am I? Uh, drawn to as an individual, what, what inspires me and animates me, what sort of things do I want to accomplish? But then what I've sort of observed is like, you can, you know, we've talked about, you know, we all have heard of phrases like um, the spirit of exploration or the spirit of sport. Um, and it's like almost turning that on its axis. So instead of looking at the X and Y axis as an individual, you're looking like, well, what has animated human beings for all of time? Right. It's like you're looking looking at the Z and the Y, uh, the Z and the X axis or the Z and the Y axis. And it's like, oh, like I have this glimmering chance, this this finite chance to participate in this 
infinite game that has upwardly oriented human beings over all of time, right? People have been drawn to the mountains for all of time. People have been drawn to exploration for all of time. People have been drawn to self-mastery and challenge and being competent and capable for all of time. It's like these are these are things that have upwardly oriented human beings when they discover they're, they're, that they're wired to be a person that's drawn out into it. And it's like, oh, I'm a participant in this, this infinite game, the spirit of this thing. And it's like, okay, I've stepped in deep enough now. I have this finite time, you know, maybe, maybe it's a handful more summers of time to be the one out doing these incredible adventures that inspire other people. But what that means is I, I'm an ambassador to then invite those people into that, right? Maybe they're hesitating, right? Maybe they have doubts. Maybe they're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this thing. But then they see me do something. They're like, oh, hey, I saw you did this. And I'm thinking of this thing that might inspire me and being able to speak into that person's life and go, yeah, come on into the game. Like, step out into it, take the adventure, uh, run the experiment. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like a lot of athletes ask themselves the question, you know, is there any real value to this? Or is it just a, a strictly selfish endeavor to pursue these athletic pursuits, right? That's a common, a common theme. And a lot of people who are outside the athletic realm will look at it as like a selfish waste of time. Like, oh, you're just doing that for yourself. It's like, no, 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 no. I mean, it can be right. I mean, we can look at someone that they take everything they accomplish and they just go, look how cool I am. I'm so awesome. Worship me. And it's like, uh, you've kind of missed the point. You've kind of missed, you've missed the whole point. Um, the point wasn't you. Um, but as soon as you think about what you're doing with what you're doing, right, which I, I do to teach, right? I'm a teacher. And so anything I do and accomplish and learn and struggle with and move forward through turns into a lesson for my students and turns into lessons for other, other athletes and other community members that I surround myself with. Um, I can't help it. It's just how I'm wired. It's what motivates me. Um, it's who I, who I was meant to be. And it's like, when you're in that frame of mind, like, Oh, I went out and I did this thing, not just because I wanted it. I mean, you know, that like a, when I'm inside of the experience, there's no place I'd rather be. So on like a selfish individual level, the experience I'm having while I do these things is a full and rich beyond ordinary human experience. And I'd much rather have that even with the negative. Right. And it's like, I had some moments in this, mm -hmm. this endeavor where it was like, it was full on darkness and doubt and struggle and pain and setback. And it's like having to sit with that being lost in it for a while, like any of us are. And then, being like, okay, like if this is what the experience needs to be, like let's, yeah, come come and stay. However long you want to stay, feelings like if that if that's what if the next five days need to be this way, so be it. Because um, if I can't sit with that in the dark moments, then I never really wanted it in the first place. Because that's the real experience. Um, and you know, yeah, I, I use the phrase magic, magic land. It's like if we only want the glorious moments and the good moments and the accomplishment. And we don't want the struggle and the hardship and the difficult that comes with the real experience. Then we were just making up a magic, magic land in our head um, of like, oh, yeah, I want all the good and none of the bad. It's like, well, no, you have to want it all. You have to want to be present with it all and not just wish the bad would end and be over. Yeah, I mean, all of that for me when I'm out there and I sit with it and I carry it forward 
And I, I carry it forward, you know, in this case, to a successful adventure, a successful endeavor. I took aim at a very specific project that was outlined, very clear delineation for success or failure, both for myself and for all those who chose to watch. Um, and I've carried it successfully to the exact goal I was aiming at. It's like, man, what, what a cool set of lessons, a cool way of being able to structure and, and aim a life where I can talk about how it changes the experience with the suffering, right? Like I think people who've never taken aim, whether they're young or old or any age, they've never taken aim at like a meaningful goal, like something that's like, ah, you know, I don't know why, but this is the thing I want to animate. Like I want to, I want to put all of my time into thinking about this and building toward this and figuring this out. Um, and, and manifesting this dream, like bringing it into reality, like it exists in my head and now I want to make it real. It changes when you're carrying towards something, it like changes how, like the meaning of the suffering. And I was thinking about like, man, if somebody never had an experience like that, like the suffering in life, like getting sick or having an injury or all that would just be these like meaningless, disconnected, um, bad occurrences. But like, I look at an experience like this and it's like, I had moments where my feet melted, um, you know, down to being raw, like red skin. Um, I was sick. I got altitude sick for the first time ever in the States. Um, I had multiple crew members who'd committed to covering me for big pushes, providing support for big pushes that bailed at inopportune moments. Um, my van broke down once. It was just like, these things kept coming and coming storms got stormed off of ridgelines, um, ended up having to like race storms at the end. Um, just a multitude of these burdens. And instead of them being right, like something as simple as like my students got me sick right before I started this endeavor, but I had a, I had a permit for a specific day that was $150 permit. And so it's like, no, I have to still start. I have to, you know, and I felt like garbage. It was awful. Whatever it was. Um, it was bad enough that I was like, did I get COVID again? Um, and I just had to go start because it's like either that or the whole project's off because I don't start on the peak that they, you know, they give no wiggle room. It's a privately owned mountain, um, which is this, it's whole, it's own whole big issue in Colorado. Um, you know, mountains being owned privately. Um, but it's like, I had to start because they don't give any wiggle room. You can't change the day. Um, so it's like, okay, just got to start sick. And it's like, we all get sick, right? That could have easily been just a disconnected, unimportant bit of suffering I went through. But because it was coalesced around this passion project, it's like now it's this meaningful burden that I carried to reach success at the end. And that's just a, a different way of interpreting hardship in life and looking at like, oh, yeah, the struggles we face can all add up to something that's worth it. Mm. And it's like that's an important thing to learn in life. That's like a key lesson. Um, and we don't, we don't, we don't really have vision quests and rites of passage much as a part of culture anymore. Um, and you know, maybe we should, cause I think that's a space where you do sort of learn the power and importance of, of like carrying your burden well, carrying your suffering and setbacks well, and, and just how meaningful and again, worth it that experience can be in the long run. 
So there, there's my long, there's my, my first long soapbox of the talk. I love it. I love when, I love when the stream just moves through you. It's so good. Um, yeah, it's so good. I know you, you, yeah, I mean, there's so much, just so much I want to like, like grab a hold of, but the first thing is I don't think people know what they want. Uh, I think that's a big, I think that's a big piece of it. I think you're, you're pretty cued in and, and you've got some clarity on what your purpose and passion is, because when you have that, there's no denying your desire. And I heard you talk about this in other, in other shows, other podcasts, like you're going to go all the way until the point you actually need to make a decision, like weather or injury or whatever it is, putting yourself all the way to that point, because you got to find out if it's possible. But what about your human? I, I want to pull upon the thread of like, do you have days where you're not wanting to get up? Even you, are there days you don't want to train? Are there days you don't want to do the extra uh, exemplary mobility work or even warm up before you head out? Like, are you in a, in a space where you are challenged and how do you get through that? Hmm. Yeah, no, uh, life for me with how my psyche works. Yeah. The, the day in day out stuff where I'm not in the midst of a big project or a project immediately on, on the horizon. Yeah. Those, 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 are difficult days where it's just like, here I am 300 days away from my next big adventure or a hundred days away from my next big adventure. What, what am I going to hold myself to? What is the standard I hold myself to then? And what am I going to let slide? Um, how much am I going to let my emotions in the moment, my feelings in the moment, uh, manipulate my standards for myself? Um, it's actually something I've faced a lot more now, you know, mentioning being 34 instead of 24, um, where, you know, every little thing hurts a little bit more and is a little bit harder than it was at 24. Um, so it's like the motivation to be like, okay, I need to go, I, I, you know, to be ready for this next project. I know I need to go get out on the bike, or I know I need to go, um, do this kind of lifting, or I know I need to do, you know, core work or spend X number of, uh, hours per week running. Um, it is harder to, to get that done. Like there is more resistance to just heading on out there. Cause it's not, not that it was all fun and play and easy at 24 either. Like obviously there's still a lot of work and discipline that goes into it. It just seems like I remember a time where more of it was those moments where it's just like, everything feels great and I'm in the flow state and I'm just vibing along on this workout. Um, it seems like that has there's more discomforts that are a part of those moments now. And so, yeah, there are those difficult times where it's like, no, this still matters to me enough and having to wrestle uh, with that desire to just let up off the throttle. Um, And then, you know, sometimes you do need to let up off the throttle. Like right now I'm, I just finished a huge project, like throttles all the way off. Like I basically, I, I'm doing things that seem fun and playful and enjoyable and short and intense. And if it doesn't fit that mold, it's like, nah, that's cool. You guys can go do that. Go have a good slog. Not, not interested in any slogging right now. Um, I think that's perfectly fine to like ebb and flow and take seasons of recovery, both right with a project this big, it's not just, um, like physical recovery. It's like emotional and almost spiritual recovery. Cause it's like when you push for 40 days, it's like you go through the, the wall of like the physical 
And then shortly thereafter, you kind of start hitting this like emotional, spiritual wall where like you've been doing the same thing for 18 to 20 hours a day, um, <laughs> for so many days in a row. And it's just like having to, to get back into that headspace of continuing to enjoy it and continuing to be present with it. Not just like, okay, push through to the finish. Cause this has gotten really uncomfortable or I've been doing this for a long time. Um, yeah, it's actually something I've, I've been considering as well because I did try to go out one day for just a casual Grand Teton lap um, with a bunch of like seven other athletes who I normally don't get to see because I was in a different place in the country than I normally get to be, but we'd like interacted on social media and things. And by like halfway through, not quite to the summit yet, I'm just like, Phew, I'm not sure I'm actually enjoying being out here right now. I mean, I was enjoying being with them and I was enjoying certain movements on the mountain, especially like scrambling up the Owen Spalding route. But just like the general experience, which normally I just love, I normally just like relish in the experience of being in the mountains. It just like was dead. And I'm like, hmm, I don't want to feel this way being in the spaces I love. Um, but I knew it was just a case of like, I was still absolutely drained. Like I, I had slogged myself to death for 39 days, 23 hours and 44 minutes. Um, so when it came to the slogging terrain, my, my, brain and body and spirit were like, Oh boy, you're making us do this again. Um, and it's like, Oh, you know, do I want to continue to take on projects that make me go through phases, recovery phases where I'm not interested in the thing that I love the most. Um, and you know, as of right now, it's really simple. It's like, I, I think when you're interested in a big and animating project, you kind of, you put the pen to the paper and you know, like, you're so drawn to the project that you're willing to endure whatever comes to see it through. Like it, it becomes very clear. And I think, you know, the other side of the equation is I just don't have any big 40 plus day projects that call to me like the Bulgers did or like this project did. And so it's like, are there still one day to 10 day projects? Like, Oh, absolutely. Um, but maybe, maybe the chapter of life that I'm doing month plus projects has turned or maybe five days from now I'll bump into something and I'll be like, well, this is the next thing. It's worth it. <laughs> so yeah, can't tell. Well, you know, just like you were talking about how people will tend to say, okay, I want to do this, but I don't want, I don't want the, the hard parts to go along with it. Right. This thing that you did was so big and like we live in this world of contrast, right? Like highs, the lows have to equal the highs. And so you're just, you're just in that ebb right now. And you've spoken about mastery and, you know, it's the mastery is like, to me, it's it, how I've been able to define it. It's like, it's a moment to moment process. There's no destination. Like you're still in that process of, of mastery right now as you're in your PE office and not on a 14th thousand foot peak. And the mastery of carrying those meaningful burdens and then the mastery of balancing this spirit, this infinite part of you, which I believe you're in touch with, with the human part of us, the aging body, the <laughs> ego, the, oh, I don't feel like getting out of bed today. And then you're a leader, like you, you are just, you're a natural born leader. You're a leader on these projects in, in these expeditions. And being a leader, what we have 
learned from being a leader is that not everybody cares as much about the project. You're you're always going to care the most, right? And that's the that's the meaningful burden of the leader. And so you had mentioned that you had some supporters who said they were going to be there for you and they weren't there for you. And I'm assuming you needed that the route was compromised because of that or time or whatever. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're willing to dig into that a little bit. My question around it is this idea of being a leader, balancing the human experience of maybe being pissed or disappointed. And how do you, yeah, like in this experience, how did you navigate that? How do you, or the question is, are you aware of like this, this, you know, commotion that's going on and just taking that next step? Are you breathing through it? Are you ranting and raving? Are you doing a little bit of everything just to kind of find that clarity on the other side of something that I would assume was a, a huge unexpected disruption, a meaningful burden. Yeah. Um, man, so many different ways to break this down. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, this was, this was, I spent with, with the crew member that stuck with it through thick and thin, um, Joshua Perry, which, yo, he's an incredible human being. He, uh, I think at this moment that we're recording, he still holds the self-supported PCT record. Um, uh, there's someone on on their way that will finish soon that uh, may best his time. Um, but like you know, the amount of discipline that goes into going 50 miles a day for 55 days in a row, um, like just a human that's on a different level with what the standards they hold themselves to. Um, and what their body is then therefore capable of and their mind is then therefore capable of. So I was absolutely humbled and blown away. Like, wait, you're going to hop in and support me for the second half of this. Um, and he's like, yeah, man, you're in need. And it sounds like a cool way to get some training in and see some mountains. And so I'll drive you around and, uh, you know, hike in resupplies when you need it and join you on some peaks and it'll be a cool experience. I think he ended up climbing 50 of the peaks total with me. Um, so, you know, just an awesome guy, super cool guy, you know, uh, I forget, I forget where the quote comes from, but there's this quote that says, if you want to take over the world, you don't need an army of a thousand men. You just need three bad A, <laughs> you know, and he's one of those. Like if, if you have him on your team, it's like, just, ch- just fill in four of the spots you needed on your support crew. Like he's worth four. Um, so just a super cool guy to have along. And I was like debriefing one of the, one of the breakups uh, one of the crew meltdowns with him. Um, cause it was a costly crew meltdown. It was in the, the wind river range, which was kind of one of the big backcountry cruxes of the entire project. You know, in Colorado, those 14 ers like, yeah, they're 14 ers and some of them have some technical aspects, but basically every night you're getting back down to the car. So it's like, go up, go, you know, do whatever link up you need to do. And then back down to the car, back down to civilization. If you need to go to a restaurant or whatever, like there's those options on the table. So it's, in a way, a little less serious. The moment we rolled into Wyoming, it was like, here are 32 peaks that are 17 miles minimum into the backcountry. And so suddenly it's like, this is an effort over the course of a week to bat a thousand on 32 peaks. Otherwise it's 17 miles out, 17 miles back in to fix whatever mistakes you made. Now, whatever those mistakes might be. 
And so the whole time I did all this planning and logistics, I'm like, that's a crux. That's like the crux probably of the entire project. Um, like that being executed cleanly and mistakes not being made could cost one or two extra days, you know? And so, you know, took this crew member into the back country and, you know, me and, and Joshua Perry were out like enduring slogging through deep snow and glacier travel and soloing on, you know, fourth and fifth class rock terrain and making a bunch of decisions on that. And these big 18 hours, I think we opened with a 31 mile, 23 hour day, um, slogging through snow and, and, uh, bagging peaks. So we're like doing these huge days and we have this crew member that's just like, you know, basically base camp manager, right? Like keeping, keeping the food, like, so that the marmots don't get into it. And, you know, when we come down, like helping prep, you know, dinner and helping prep breakfast, and, you know, stuff is going really well. And like day two, uh, this guy's like, I'm really struggling out here with, you know, the idea of I'm just being a bear scarecrow, even though it's not a high bear density area in the winds, but you know, the anticipated fear, the imagined fear, um, you know, he's a younger guy. So, you know, 21. So it's like, okay, like da da da. you know, try to give him a few tools, try to help him give him some like ideas, ways I conceptualize my own fears and struggles and anxieties. Cause it's like, I don't, I don't not experience those things. I, and I very much had to wrestle through those things earlier in life to be the man I am now and the person I am now. Um, and, you know, go out and do another day and it's like, Oh, and, you know, same thing. And I also miss my girlfriend. And so I'm lonely and da da da. It's hard to be here all alone. And it's like, Oh shoot. It seems like it's getting worse. And, Sure enough, finally come back after one of the big pushes, and he's like, "I can't do this. I, I got to bail." Um, and yeah, that was a tough moment. To and it's like you realize how key this is, and you realize this means we're going to have to carry all this extra stuff we brought in all the way out the same way because originally we were going to, you know, we we needed to finish up another day, and then we were going to exit out over a twelve peak traverse that would then exit at a different point. Um, to be as efficient as possible. And he would carry the supplies out the other way from base camp so that it would create this efficient thing. And then he'd drive around and pick us up. And instead he's like, nope, I can't do, I can't do one more day. And I'm going to have my you know girlfriend pick me up and I'm just going to bail. And I'm, I think I'm done. I'm too, too burned out. Can't, can't be, be there anymore. And it's just like, you know, I put so much trust in this person and so much faith in this person and had like leaned into trying to help them, right? Tried to trying to do whatever was possible to give this person the tools necessary to be able to exist in those spaces, right? Like, you know, and that was that was part of right, him being so young when he joined on. It's like, oh, like I want to unlock these experiences for this person and like teach him things. It's like he he joined me for about 10 of the peaks in Colorado. Um it's like, I want this person to like have a growing and learning experience from this. Um, and so I was like very invested in that, like, how can I help this person process this better? How can I give them a better internal narrative for interpreting the emotions and experiences and thoughts they're having? And I remember coming down that day where he was sure he was going to bail and thinking like, okay, like we're having a conversation and you know, trying to like lean in and decode it and help him understand it. And then slowly realizing like, oh, this isn't the conversation we're having. 
he's already used my, my satellite device to send a message to his girlfriend to start driving to come pick him up. Like his decisions already made, he's already out on the team. Like he didn't wait for, for the conversation. And so it was like, I was still investing time and thought into trying to help him. And it's like, I'm trying to run a high functioning team at the same time. Right. And there's something to be said for like, when you only have a limited number of waking hours before you need to be back asleep after you've done 18 hours climbing six peaks um, and you need to go do it again the next day on even more technical terrain, there's like a limited number of waking hours to keep the team operating at you know maximum capacity and to solve the problems. And so when I finally realized like, oh, this isn't a conversation of can I help you like find a way to stay in and continue to be a part of the team, you've already bailed you just haven't physically left yet. Um, and in that moment where I realized like that was, a, that was the case, it was like, Oh, everything like shifted in my mind where it's like, I now have to figure out what the new plan is with the one crew member I have left. Like, how do we get camp out? How do we get back in? What's the most efficient way to do that? What, how does that line up with the storm schedules that we have been getting from our, our weather forecasting person? Like, how do we maximize? Like I had all these problems to solve of now having a two person crew instead of a three person crew. Um, and so in that moment where I realized it's just like, all right, then pack your, pack your shit out up and get out in the morning. Like, okay, we're done here. Like I need to put you out of mind because mm -hmm. you're not, you're not here to solve the problem anymore. You're creating more of a problem by eating up my time. Um, and I need, I need you away so that I can go back to solving all the things to keep the team moving forward. Like I can't put my mind and heart and spirit and care into this conversation anymore. Um, and you know, it's kind of a harsh moment for him. Um, for sure. And, you know, I probably could have handled it a bit better, but also in my mind, it's like, emotionally, I need to like cut this right now because I have like, I'm already like an hour over when I should be asleep, um, because I was already giving. Um, and now I have at least 90 minutes minimum of new logistics and problems to solve, um, for how everything's going to get solved with him gone. So it was like, it was a heavy moment. And, you know, afterwards I kind of like, chatted it through with Josh Perry, this other guy. He's like, no, like, I thought it was pretty reasonable. Like you, you weren't, you know, like obviously, you know, just telling him to get out. Um, maybe it was a little harsh, but also like totally understandable. Like your role was to keep a, the whole project moving forward. And he should have understood. He should be understanding that he was joining to be a part of a high functioning team and was getting the extra bonus of the fact that you were willing to mentor him while trying to do this high-end endeavor. Um, and that the main focus of the endeavor wasn't to mentor him. It was that I'm willing to do that on top of. And I was like, okay, cool. Because you know, I kind of questioned it and wrestled with it. Like, oh, was I too harsh? Mm. And so to hear kind of another person that does high-level endeavors kind of be like, oh, like that, that was reasonable. Like that, that happens on things like this. Because I think I, I try to hold myself, you know, being a teacher to a really high standard, you know, a professional standard of like, how do I handle every single moment with someone that's in like a learning role with me? Um, and so, you know, there's some, some struggle in processing like that moment where the switch flipped and it's just like, all right, get out. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's so tough in, um, you know, not in the back country, but 
you know, right here in, in our home office. Like we've, we've worked with the same thing and, um, you got to get into solution mode. Like as a leader, it's like, you got to keep, you got to keep the momentum going in the direction of the plan and the goal and all of that. And then did you find your mind chewing on it though? Like when you were like, okay, I got to stay focused. We got to move forward. But then the mind's like chewing on what happened or the conversation is like constant redirect, constant redirect. Were you finding that? Um, it definitely in the moments on the subsequent days where, you know, the, the breakup had happened, uh, because of that mentee mentorship relationship. And I think the thing that really, that really like burned me as well, like, I think I could have been more understanding if he's like, I'm going to bail, like, I know the cost to the team. I'm going to bail out because this is you know, just too much emotionally for me to handle, um, too much mentally for me to handle. But then as soon as you guys come out of this backcountry push, I'm back. Like, I'm still going to continue helping like I promised. And instead he just bailed and quit. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. In some sense that for, for what he had promised that was weak and soft and going back on his word. Oh um, yeah. That's tough. And so, <laughs> Like, man, I wrestled with that. And, you know, like on the one hand, wanting to be conscientious and understanding and, you know, affirming to him. And on the other hand, it's like, you realize I was like carrying all the same emotions you were carrying. Plus I was doing all the high risk stuff at the same time while exhausted and tired being however many days into doing this nonstop. And yeah, it was difficult to process and I was chewing on it and, you know, like I, you know, him being young and me having like gotten sponsorship from Viore and athletic brewing on this project so that I had enough to be generous to my crew members, you know, like I'd offered, offered him some extra money, like a, a decent chunk of money to like come along and, you know, cause he was trying to make it in the raft guiding world, but was kind of struggling to get very many jobs with the organization he was a part of. I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll give you a chunk of change to come come jump in, jump back in, because he kind of helped me early on in the project, um, just like volunteering. And at the end, I was like, hey, here's, here's, here's a little bit of money. Like, thanks for your time. Like, good luck raft guiding. And then this other person had bailed. And I was like, hey, would you come back on? Because we had that little bit of a rapport from those opening days. Um, and I'll give you a, a bigger chunk of change since you're giving up more of your summer. And it was like wrestling also then with it's like, okay, I can be understanding with the spirit of the human. But I, you know, I told him when he like in the moment where I'm like, you realize how much you're like letting the team down and what this costs. He's like, yeah, I know, but I can't stay here. And I'm like, so you realize that means I can't pay you anywhere near what I offered you. Like, like my inner sense right like you're bailing at the very moment that was why i brought you back on the moment i thought i could trust you for right which is why i was willing to offer the number that i offered was because like this is this is a person that'll stick with it and so like what's an amount it like hurt it was enough that it hurt a little bit for me because it's like this is definitely gonna put me way over budget for my summer but it's also enough that it's meaningful for him um so it's like this this feels right um and it's like you realize like i can't, like i won't be able to pay you that. it's like yeah i know i gotta go though it's like okay um and then like having to wrestle with okay how do i solve for the business aspect of this mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't deliver and 
then? How do I still still give him something for the part he did deliver on, but then not coming through on uh, the part that really matters for the project? And um, yeah, sorting all that with also the mentee-mentor relationship that was going on. Um, and you know, I'm I'm a person that if like you partner with me in a season of life on on a project like this that matters to me, and and you're a part of it, like. I'm holding a mental model of you to funnel opportunities your way later in life. And then sort of feeling like, you know, then he, you know, later on to flip a few chapters, like I wrestled with that and I kind of came to like, okay, I've given him this much after this many days early on. So I'll just give him a similar, like similar amount per day for the amount he jumped back in instead of like the bigger, uh, chunk. And he was pretty offended at that. Um, and you know, you know, being young kind of popped and criticized me and was like, you just did this and da, 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 da. It's like, okay, like, yeah, we're not going to be happy here. I wasn't happy when you bailed on me. Um, you're not going to be happy now because you're financially, uh, you know, things are financially tight because you're trying to figure out being 21 and out on your own in the world. Um, and, you know, it's like this ongoing tension. I don't like that. I don't like that with people. I like mm-hmm. to be able to reach peace. I like, both parties to be completely happy with how things ended. Um, and so like I struggled with that uh, continuing on because it, it was like, I, I don't not like this kid. I don't, I don't not care that he, cause he was like a very talented runner in high school, like sub 15 minute 5k runner. Um, so very talented runner in high school. And he, one of the reasons he joined on was he was like, Oh, I want to meet the people that, you know, I want to be in these spaces. I want to learn new things. I want to get into trail running and ultra running myself. Um, it was like, okay, cool. Like I can connect you with a lot of people who can open doors for race entries and uh, coaching and all this stuff. Um, and it was like the part that probably hurt the most was like, it felt like with how things, when he kind of popped and exploded at me at the end uh, because he was frustrated it kind of felt like, oh, well, I guess we're just not going to talk again. And I guess all these things I was sort of holding in my mind of like, oh, I could connect him with this person at some point when like the opportunity arises uh, to get him these opportunities. I can connect him with this person for some coaching. And it's like, oh, I guess I'm not doing any of that for him. Um, and that was that was a troubling kind of moment because I do care about that stuff. I want I want to do good for the people that do good. Um, and, you know, it was actually kind of nice uh, at Leadville one of my friends who was going to go for the win there, Leadville 100 mile run. Um, well, this part's not good. His pacers got in a car accident, literally the night, uh, the night before the race. And so he went from having, you know, he'd already gone to bed because of the early start time. Um, and then his pacers got in this accident and they were all fine. They were, you know, like bruises, concussions, stuff like that. They got rear ended. Um, and, but they clearly weren't able to pace anymore. So I scrambled to find replacement pacers and I knew he lived near Leadville because that was where we met and picked him up the first time. And so it's kind of this like, okay, we haven't spoken since he basically told me off, but I'm going to reach out to him. and I'm going to offer this opportunity to pace with an elite and potentially like carry him into a, a win at the finish line. And you know, it's a chance for him to build a relationship and this particular elite runner like runs a whole coaching organization and all that. It's like that would be, you know, the catalyst to get himself some coaching and potentially get some entries into some races. And so I'm like, okay, 
you know, this is a little emotionally taxing to just randomly reach out, but I'm going to offer this opportunity um, and be like, hey, so I've had you in mind. Like, this is an opportunity that's happening right now. I realize you might not want to talk to me. You might still be mad at me, but I'm going to offer this to you anyways. Um, and, you know, it was good because he was he, he kind of responded. He's like, hey, what happened happened. Like, I really appreciate you thinking of me. This is an awesome opportunity. Yeah, I'll, I'll happily help out. Um, and so it was a, a nice cathartic moment. Um, yeah. or sort of that like business pulling apart the friendship and the mentorship aspect. Um, so yeah, no, it was a big long thing, right? This is all drawn out over months. Um, so yeah, and, that, and and it's a lot to carry. And but there's the leadership right there. You stepping back in and saying like, "Hey, this would be a good opportunity. I got to get beyond, you know." the hurt or, you know, the frustration or whatever that's still being carried and, you know, give this opportunity to a friend of mine who needs it and also this, this young kid. And so it kind of gives you that opportunity to fulfill what you wanted. And it is, it's difficult when you're like, man, it didn't have to be this way, but it's this acceptance of, of what is. And, and there's no great leader that has not been without struggle. Um, even the great yogi masters have had betrayal on, you know, deep levels, and thank you for sharing all of that. I think it it really, man, yeah, we all come into conflict and, you know, we see maybe a higher perspective of how like it doesn't have to end the way it ends, but, you know, that there is a lesson in everything. So I want to thank you for being so open about that. Yeah, I think um, really fast to, to yeah. dovetail that one. I think what made me make the decision I made to still go ahead and, you know, because he could have just told me off again the moment I reached out and that wouldn't have felt good because I care. I care about these relationships. And that was like, OK, I'm going to go ahead and reach out because this is the man I want to be. This is how I want to treat people that I know. This is what I'm going to I'm going to be able to look at myself in the mirror years later and go, I at least tried to do right in the long term, even if a few bumpy moments happened in the moment along the way. Mm-hmm. Um and so I kind of I kind of process that, and I'm like, yeah, no, this is important. I I need to do this. If nothing else, even if he just wants to, you know, tell me off, you know, use the chance to tell me off one more time. Um, at least I I know I did it with noble intent. I know I stepped out to still try to offer that that opportunity and that good um, for the longer term picture, um, the, the course of human development, if you will, um, for this person. And it's like that, that, that was the, the decision-making process that like nudged me over the edge is that whole, like what matters to me for the man I want Jason Hardrath to be. Um, and you know, that longer vision that being connected with that higher, higher value was the, the way that that processing went. Yeah. And those decisions aren't always easy. I think that checks in with our ego, right? We check in, we're like, oh, I, I can't give in, or it looks as like I'm giving in, but it's really like you're surrendering to that higher you talked about it, human spirit, like, like listening to what you just described inspires me to step it up even one or two more notches to, to show up in my space, to see where my mind is getting involved in like maybe holding back a bit, resisting a bit versus like, how can I use the word love more? How can I be more compassionate? How can I raise my game, taking the teachings from someone else? We talked a little bit about the the adventure. I want to. I want to hear some beautiful, amazing, breathtaking moments when you s- summited a peak and it was the sunrise or a sunset. Like, can you describe some some beautiful moments that you experienced on this on this latest adventure? 
um, a particular one that comes to mind is just a sort of idyllic moment below Handy's peak. Um, it was just like the peak still had the right amount of snow on it, that it had a lot of contrast. The Everything was still super green because of the rainfall and the snow that they'd got there. It was a really high snow year. Um, so it was just this idyllic green um, kind of meadow below the summit. And the wildflowers were blooming, so there were flowers all around. And we had, like, popped down next to a stream to refill our bottles and, like, eat a quick snack. It was uh, myself and, and Joshua Perry uh, that I keep mentioning, and I'll keep shouting him out a thousand times over <laughs> how awesome he was. Um, and, you know, obviously, Josh Perry being the person he is, he was, like, you know, very disciplined and in the mindset, like, okay, like, let's get moving. And I'm like, no this is a moment that's why I'm here. We're going to sit for a few more minutes and just soak this in and just kind of like soaking in the views of the ridgelines and the mountains, um, the flowers, the sound of the stream nearby, like all of it, just like, mm, like this is, this is probably as idyllic as it will get for this whole project. Um, and that was a really cool moment. Um, just kind of like relishing being in the presence of just, a beautiful picturesque scene in nature. Um, oh, let's see what else. Um, there were some movements moving up the rock um, on the Crestone Traverse down in Colorado. That was just flowy and good. Um, like I'm a a big thing I derive pleasure from is when I'm like moving in technical terrain that sort of heightens that fear a little bit. And then because of that, it hones the focus and I'm executing these skills at a high level. So I'm in that sense of like, um, yeah, just that flow state where skill is matching, um, difficulty. And so it's kind of in that state, but then like the position is super beautiful. The sense of place is super beautiful. And I'm just making these like really cool, enjoyable, flowy movements. Um, that was particularly enjoyable. The same on the fourth class ridge of desolation in the Wind River Range, one of those 32 peaks in the backcountry, just this flowy fourth class ridge, just kind of in this beautiful position to observe the other peaks you'd climbed and the ones you had left. Um, a particular just like sort of forceful warrior spirit conquering moment um, was... Coven Peak in in the Wind River Range again. It was one that like had this somewhat ambiguous, like different descriptions of like, oh, it's five seven, or oh, it's easy fifth class, or oh, it's really difficult and hard to stay on route and easy to get lost and end up on harder terrain. And so in my head, I'm like, just how bad will this be? Um, so it's like a crux of the whole, like, right. So the Wind River Range itself was a crux, and it was a crux within that crux of like, if this doesn't go, it could cause major problems for the, the whole, the whole bigger project. And then the bigger project on top of that and ended up just flowing to the top, like made great route finding decisions, uh, moved through the technical bits really efficiently and just kind of flew up to the top of this thing. And I remember just getting to the top and knowing that it's like, that was kind of the last big crux of the whole wind river range. Like there were still a few kind of hard peaks, but they were well, they were less, worrisome than coven and getting to the top of coven and just 
letting out these giant whoops and hollers and screams, just like being so <laughs> stoked, like just knowing like, yes, that was it. We did it. We didn't, cause we were also kind of racing storms and timing storms as well. It's like, we didn't get stormed off the summit. Like we made it up, you know, and that's always the, the like a huge worry with technical peaks. It's like, if you're on a non-technical peak and a storm rolls in, it's like, okay, you can like take off and run away. Um, and just like get down to somewhere safe. If you're on like a technical peak and you're just stuck up there, um, and a storm breaks loose, it's like, you can't just suddenly run. Um, so it's like all this kind of worry and anxiety. And then to have all of it just instead flow smooth and easy. It's just like, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was, that was a golden, a golden experiential moment. Um, let's see here. <laughs> and then I had this kind of, one of the uh, most joyful moments of the whole thing. It was rather short-lived, but a rather joyful moment, um, probably because of the intense darkness that preceded it, was I climbed when I climbed uh, Whitetail in Montana. I think I had four peaks left to go. Uh, Whitetail had looked particularly just like a difficult peak from every angle. Um, compared to some of the other peaks in there. So I was like seeing it out on the horizon and seeing it get closer and being like, Oh, that, that one might be a lot. And instead it was just like really fun and enjoyable and went fast all the way to the top. And I'm just like, you know, that experience of expecting bad and then it being good, you know, kind of similar to Coven. Um, and also then just like, Oh my gosh, four peaks left for this entire 122 peak project. It was just kind of this, angelic playful moment i even like put music on and was dancing my way down the 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 summit you know still doing these like technical moves but like dancing between them just like yeah and then like promptly like 15 minutes after that i drop into this uh kular this gully and it's just like the worst gully down climb of my life and it's like oh okay here we are right back in it (laughs) Uh, it was short-lived but it was it was really golden it was really golden so yeah, I say those are the ones that come to mind. Oh, that's so beautiful! I love that. Like I, when you were talking about the first one with the stream, and you were there with John, like I could, it's just like I could, I had my own vision of of what that mm-hmm. all looked like, and I could feel that energy that that you were talking about. Um, and so as we wrap this up, right now, you're back in school, you're in your physical education office, the kids are back in school. What do you what What should these kids be aware of? Like, what do you bring into them now? Like you know, having this now be a part of you, what is this big teaching that you feel that you've been seeing coming out of you? So I think the big takeaways from this one, I mean, again, it's a reaffirmation of something I want to be a through line of who they see me as and what they learn from me since I started teaching, you know, why I'd bother to balance my own personal challenges and adventures with continuing to be a teacher. The whole reason I put those two together and find an intense level of meaning from it and feel that I'm really fulfilling the role of being this adult role model in their lives is this idea that it's worth it to take aim and to put your mind and body together so that you're ready for the opportunities and challenges that you can't see yet, right? You don't know what's going to take you 
what's going to grab you and animate you for a season of life, a chapter of life. What's going to be the thing that's like, oh, I want, you know, you're going to suddenly get below a mountain and go, oh, I wonder what it's like up there. And to be able to answer that question by going, well, let's go find out. Um, and to have, to, to be this model of like, it's worth it to have yourself in a place mentally and physically that you can answer those questions when the call comes. Um, and yeah, that's, that's huge. And then from this one, like on top of that, right. Like very sitting adjacent to this kitty corner to this is this idea that we're not just putting ourselves together in our own physical social, emotional landscape for ourselves, right? To chase our own biggest dreams, but also so that we can help carry burdens and make things possible for others, right? It's the juxtaposition of what we spent a decent amount of time talking about, right? Like, can you, when you have the opportunity to help a friend, manage your own fears, your own insecurities, your own worries, your, have your own skill set, uh, like, can you handle the, the breadth of human experience necessary to help a friend see a dream through that they get to go live that dream because you were there able to manage yourself and support it. Um, so beyond just yourself, right? Cause we're always able to do more when we're operating with others who have put themselves together in a high functioning way, like more becomes possible. That's why organizations throughout time have come to exist, whether it's business or sports teams or whatever. It's like we're able to reach higher when we have others to work with, others to push us, others to come alongside us, others to support us. Um, and what you're aiming to do is to have put yourself together in a way that's like, yeah, not only can I go do these things myself, but also I can be a high functioning member of whatever team I end up on. So it's not just opportunities for me, it's opportunities for all those I ever come into contact with. And to, to have that ripple through life of being able to lift others better. And I think, I think those are key and permeating bits that I've integrated into my teaching throughout the whole time I've been a teacher and something I'm going to feel a much stronger sense and have more powerful ways of communicating now after this adventure. Well, well, I'm truly, uh, myself, I'm inspired and, and I'm an inspirational person myself. I feel that tug and I'm taking the leap and, and what you're, you know, what you're expressing there, you know, have an experience, like speak for it for yourself. Don't take someone else's opinion of it. Uh, our yoga teacher always says, uh, do you want to read a brochure about the Grand Canyon or do you want to go into the Grand Canyon and experience it for yourself? <laughs> and uh, I took that to heart and it, it, it's, it's, it supports what you're saying and, and teaching to these students, which is go have an experience for yourself, but up against those moments when you're like all, all signs, all thoughts, all feelings say no. And yet you still take and, and move forward and take that step to have an experience and speak for it to yourself. So Jason, thank you so much. Amazing to have you back on the podcast and uh, congratulations on this latest adventure. And of course, we will be watching you closely to see what one day, 10 day, 100 day adventure you have <laughs> going on next. So keep us, keep us posted. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jason. Absolutely. This was a pleasure. <laughs>